0: Yo, we are re-releasing our episode with Mike Curlew. This was episode 18 on racism, colonialism, institutional racism. And the reason we're doing that is obviously these are some trying times. Michael Floyd, Black Lives Matter. And the real drive of this is that as Canadians, we often hear, well, we're not as bad as the U S we're, 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 much more accepting when it comes to racism. And when you listen to this episode, if you haven't heard it or, already, I think you'll be shocked at how we have treated our indigenous population. These stories, like I, to this day, I baffle me. And I'm also a bit ashamed at, you know, when Mike throws down that this is the first time I'm hearing about some of these events. The fact that for teenage girls in a short period of time in a small community commit suicide, and this isn't all over the news. Um, anyways, I think in the, the context of all that's happening, I think this was an important episode for people to pay attention to. Last time we released it too, it was in the midst of COVID, so I think um, it got buried a bit, but um, this is something special, and I hope you enjoy it. So without further ado, Dr. Mike Curlew i am talking to the one and oh, only please. not the, one and, the only. one and
1: only oh please oh please stop Dr. that Mike stop Dr. that, Dr. Mike that. listen
0: exactly. we were so eager to get this guy on the show for a few reasons listen. one is an angel
1: oh please
0: he does amazing work you, you up did
1: not work. say that you'd say that
0: no no but it happened please. and you then second thing that. i got it i mean without and words, You got to talk to us and inform the people about the atrocities that you see up north because I don't think people really have a clear picture of what you see it's to look out in other places. So mm. I think the best way to, to start us off is maybe just talk to us about a day in the life of Mike Curlew. Mm-hmm.
1: Sure, sure. And you know what? I'll, I, I you know, I want to say it's great to be able to be here. I think you're doing a phenomenal job. I think your whole team is doing a, a great job, really kind of being that voice in the healthcare community, getting a whole bunch of different opinions about different topics. I think that's really good. So I want to congratulate you oh. for doing such a great job. You know First what up, I mean? I've you. known this guy since residency. So <laughs> you know what I mean? It's good to see you doing such amazing work. My name is Mike Curlew. I work, you know, up in Sioux Lookout, Ontario. Sioux Lookout is about 450 kilometers or. So northwest of Thunder Bay, our practice, I, I work with an amazing group of colleagues. Um, and I want to say a shout out to all the good people in Sioux Lookout, all the wonderful yeah, doctors yeah, yeah, and nurses. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I work with some phenomenal people there. And our practice cover an area the size of Germany and France. Wow. So all the way over Hudson's Bay coast, all the way over the Manitoba border. So it's about the size of France. And uh, there's a number of indigenous communities in that uh, area. And uh, the doctors in the region fly it to uh, various communities and uh, provide care. We also provide care. In Sioux Lookout, when people get sick in the communities, they often will fly down to Sioux Lookout to be able to get care. So when you're in Sioux Lookout, you're doing a little bit of everything, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. rural medicine, you know what I mean. And and when you're up in the northern community, you are you are doing again a bit of everything, right? You're seeing pediatric patients, adult patients. You could see really sick kids, really sick adults, and you. But you know, I want to start off by saying, you know, I I feel really blessed to have had the last 13 years to be able to work in such an amazing place and then really meet phenomenal people. You know, I'm going to be moving on. On from there shortly and stuff. But I but I really feel blessed by having an opportunity to work there, you know, and, and just feel that my life has been sort of super enriched by meeting some amazing people and having the opportunity to learn from elders, you know, who I consider my teachers, right? Wow. And, you know, just learning for some some amazing patients and clients that have, that have taught me phenomenal things over the years, right? You know, I see a lot of, and I don't want to start this off typically, because typically when you get these talks, it's like, man, we got so much of this, and we got so much of this, and we got sepsis. Thank them. I'm not going to start off like that because you know, a lot of people um, have an idea what we're going to talk about today. Um, but I'm going to talk about you know, I see a lot of hope. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of resilience. I see a lot of people waking up every morning, figuring out how to how to persevere, right? Figuring out how to have hope and how to inspire hope in others. Mm-hmm. Um, in the face of of unbelievable circumstances and unbelievable tragedy still waking up and saying you know what I'm still going to press onward and I'm still going to press onward for my community and I find that that's so amazing that's so inspirational to be I feel so inspired to be able to to bear witness to that you know mm. and and I think that is that is awesome you know what I mean and I want to I want to acknowledge that you know because I do see a lot of hope and I do see that that you know a lot of change and a lot of community advocacy that's that's happening you know what I mean mm. about around how can healthcare outcomes improve right Mm -hmm. you know it's I, i always say uh when you work sometimes in a rural environment one of the things that i've i've learned is that medicine isn't only about content, right? Like in residency, right? You're always trying to master the content, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you're trying to understand, you know, how do I interpret my blood gas? How do I go about, you know, interpreting this piece of medical information? How do I go about synthesizing all this lab work and coming out with a, a, you know, a diagnosis, right? So it's not only about the content, it's also about the context and the right answer in the wrong context isn't isn't necessarily the right answer anymore, right? right? And we have to, I think, understand... How colonization has introduced a context and having systemic racism and having unconscious and implicit bias within our healthcare system and how colonial systems are structured, how that really impacts health outcomes, right? Right. You know, I see a lot of, for example, infectious disease complications, right? We still see a lot of... Rheumatic fever, right? Like you hear about rheumatic fever, you think about, I remember in med school, you know, hearing about, you know, having the cardiologist say, man, you're never going to see this again, right? Like this is something, this is something that you just don't see in this country anymore, right? Mm -hmm. And we still have, you know, we've had deaths in our region of little kids with rheumatic fever, right? Kids. Kids. Yeah. So we've, we've had deaths in our region because of rheumatic fever or complications of rheumatic fever. So it's not something that we, that we see uncommonly right so when you just like just let that marinate for a little bit right yeah. like rheumatic fever is something that we remember like our grandparents may have talked about right yeah like we definitely
0: don't see that. exactly like you don't see no.
1: rheumatic like but but like you know if, if you have like a kid with a swollen knee and you tap their knee and there's no bacteria it's probably rheumatic fever like that's that's my that's my
0: line because this is what I'm saying like when I was uh, talking with some other folks it's like you're literally dealing with third world medicine like things that you weren't supposed to see anymore Right. You know, and I guess what I'm, I I want our listeners to understand is, first of all, like how bad it is, but like, why is this happening? Like, why am I, are you seeing a kid with a swollen knee and he? it's not because he injured himself, it's right. because he's got... Rheumatic fever rheumatic, a disease from rheumatic freaking fever. Yeah, exactly. You know like,
1: what I what's... mean? Like this is this is not this stuff makes like ped- pediatrics rounds. You know, if you if you're in some tertiary care center, this stuff makes pediatrics rounds. And like here, it's like, oh yeah, they have rheumatic fever. Like next you understand? But but you look at it, that these things are tied into and we use this term and we we throw it around there. It's called social determinants of health. I don't even like that term social determinants of health. I okay. call it like powerful determinants of health because <laughs> I'm seeing these things that we're about to talk about, things like overcrowding housing, water being a problem, being like these things are massive determinants of your health. Like, if, like, for example, if we're dealing with a sequelae of a bacteria, right, that may live in the back of your throat, right, or may live on your skin, right, and you live in overcrowded housing, what's going to happen? Stuff is going to spread, right? Yeah. And then you're going to see a lot of sequelae and a lot of complications and you throw in there inadequate access to clean running water, you're going to have problems. You're going to have lots of problems, right? And and that's what I'm saying is that like, you know, you could have all the vancomycin in the world. You could get people, you could spritz vancomycin from the clouds. The clouds could <laughs> rain. You could make it rain with vancomycin. Make a, make a rain antibiotic. You could make it rain antibiotic, but you see, if, if you don't address things like housing if you don't address things like water if you don't address things like overcrowding if you don't address things like colonization and racism you always because these these bug group A strap and mrsa like published on this like these these things occur at a rate in the Sioux lookout zone that's multiple times what it is in southern ontario in cities and, and part of that i feel it's just you know overcrowding and housing and inadequate access to wa- running water and housing
0: no i feel you but once again i want to get yeah because I've never been up there, right? And I know a handful of docs that go on a regular basis, right? But I want to get a sense from you, like when we, when you say overcrowding, yeah, what does that look like? When you say life- you might,
1: you might have like seventeen people living in a trailer that's like six hundred square feet. Like that's a lot of people, right? And, and you might be in a situation where they're describing where they don't have running water.
0: So what like what are they doing? Like where you- Well,
1: you might have to go and get water from the lake and that type of thing and manually haul it over to your house. That's mm-hmm. not an uncommon story. Mm-hmm. So imagine how something like that can impact health outcomes. Imagine what kind of cases of eczema you're going to see in kids,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Imagine what kind of skin and soft tissue infections you're going to see right? Mm-hmm. Like you're going to see a lot of them, right? And you're going to see a lot of invasive type of infections, right? Invasive MRSA, invasive group A strep. Mm-hmm. We our, our physicians in the region have published on this before, like looking at things like group A strep and looking at things like MRSA, it just happens in multiple fold what you'd expect in a large city, right? So, you know, imagine that. And, and, and think about it like this too. Remember, it's a different system, right? It's a federal system, right? So you got like federal nursing stations. Mm-hmm. So there's no like hospital in the northern communities right like like you're not gonna have because when you have a building with an h on it an h means something right like why is that important why is that powerful because it's not the letter you can slap a letter on any building but when you slap an h on a building it means that there's going to be certain protections there's going to be certain legislations there's going to be some accountabilities that you're going to see in that building with an h on it that you're going to see that you're not going to see anywhere else right like that's why when you show up and you have a scalpel you don't see the surgeon spit on it and cut you open right Mm -hmm. wow
0: so that's a great point. So, like, they're not being treated at a hospital. Right. It,
1: it's, it's a... What do you call it? Yeah. Like, it's like a nursing station, right? A nursing and, station. And you know what? It's like... And I mean, There are awesome nurses there. Like, nurses that, that just do their, their best. You know what I mean? In the circumstances that they have, right? Where oftentimes you may not have necessarily the right equipment. You you may not necessarily have all of the essential meds that you need. But
0: this, this is part of the BS that irks me, too. Is, yeah.
1: Like, why... Like I
0: got, I've gotten calls from you, yeah, for transferring patients, mm. and I'm hearing that does not, you don't have. The right antibiotic. Well, well, you yeah. might be running out of oxygen. Like but what's
1: doing, going? What's going down? But ask yourself this question, right? Like, why don't you run out of Why don't you run out of oxygen at a hospital? Or why don't you run out of oxygen at a health center? Is is that there's legislation in place that gives you certain levels of accountability? Suppose if you at a place that was devoid of that accountability, right? There's no federal health quality act. Like, we have provincial health quality acts that guarantee that, man, if you're going to call yourself a hospital or a clinic, you need to meet certain standards, right? If you don't have that, then what do you think is going to happen, right? Like, you're going to be in a situation where you may not have the right antibiotic, right? You may not have a muscle relaxant. Like, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, you know what I mean, and stuff, and, mm-hmm. and you like to hear, man. And it's amazing, like, when people talking about, you know, rapid sequence intubation and get your succinylcholine and rocuronium. And which <laughs> one is better? Is it sucks or rock? <laughs> <laughs> sucks a rock. What does Weingart say? What does Ruben Strayer so, say? You know what I mean? Does it gives a the
0: just- context. It's just like the nuance of some I, of the medication exactly, to try and exactly. optimize people's health. And I'm and like, that's great situations. for you to
1: have that conversation, but I don't got none of that stuff. I got no sucks or no rock. So imagine if you have to intubate somebody, that could be problematic. Number nice. two, suppose if you only have one or two vials of and you need to intubate somebody, which is a medication, or you don't got no ketamine, or you don't have any propofol, or you only have one vial, because the thing is, the reason, what allows you that that doesn't happen in a hospital do you understand is the legislation is the accountability but, that you have in hospitals but e-
0: okay even and this is gonna sound ignorant i don't give a damn whether things are legislated or not at yeah. some point exactly you gotta ask yourself like what is right what's going on like i don't exactly. have so what mike was describing was the medic core medication to be able to provide basic care yeah. In an acute situation. So imagine that you got a loved one that needs to be put on a like needs help breathing. You need
1: to put a tube down their throat. To yeah, save to save their life. To
0: save their life. Thank yeah. you for putting it so eloquently. You might not have that me- enough medication. So maybe they'll feel what's going on. Like they won't. Might yes. not be asleep. They're going to feel that pain. They're going to potentially have some PTSD from that experience. Exactly. Like these are our citizens yeah. in a billion dollar or trillion dollar GDP country that are experiencing this shit.
1: Right, exactly, exactly. And that's the thing. It's, it, you know, and that's a reality that we encounter on the regular, right? Because like, and if you think about it, it really underscores the effects of colonization, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and the effects of systemic racism. Who is this happening to? This is happening to indigenous people, right? Yeah. In Northwestern Ontario, right? And, you know, it's in class. It's not, you know what? It actually has to, you know, we have to go up to be second class, right? Because I would consider you of second yeah, you class, do. you're still going to have rocky road you're still gonna have some basic equipment right right?
0: like you know wherever you are on in mainland canada Mm -hmm. you have that access you know what i mean i and i just i don't know i guess mike what do we do about it yeah like what what the you know what i mean because like and, and and just to get put more context into into this like how real it is it's like i see people regularly yeah. From up north, yeah, that are dying young, yeah, for sure, yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. that's that's not just like some theoretical stuff that we're talking about, it's real. Like, I, you know, someone in their 40s that was had terminal lung disease, yeah, I, exactly. I, you know what I mean? Like, it's insane, right? And it's it's so tragic, you know what I mean? And yeah. so,
1: this is like what we're saying we see it it's real it's real it's very very real and you know you're seeing really the effect i believe you know colonization and systemic racism you know within all sorts of systems right mm-hmm. Like that's, that's what colonization wanted to do. Like colonization wanted to prefer and um, preserve differential care structures based on ethnicity and based on race. Mm. Like it would look and say, because you're indigenous, you, we need to take your land, right? And in addition to that, we're gonna make sure that you don't get healthcare like how other people get. Mm. The accountabilities and the protections that other people have, you don't get. Mm. Like when you dial 911, right? What do you get? You can get an ambulance shows up, right? right. We, have, we have legislation that allows that to happen, right? We don't get an ambulance that shows up. You get a truck that shows up and you put the person in the back of the truck and it brings it to the nurse, that brings the person to the nursing station, right? Because there's no ambulance act, there's no federal ambulance act. Hmm. So you're not going to, there's no federal fire marshals act. There's no federal healthcare quality act. So if you, if you don't have those protections in there, then what do you think is going to happen? A whole lot of badness, right? And, and I think as physicians, we need to start recognizing, well, what are the root causes of some of these things, right? Like, Amen. We, it, we need to look at that. Like, because I find sometimes as doctors, we get like, we get hung up. Well, all I need to do is figure out the right vancomycin titration for this person's MRSA bacteremia and why it's seeded to their sternal manubrial joint. I didn't even you learn about some <laughs> these bacteria seeding to some places. You didn't know that was a thing, right? Like you know when someone says, "It's because I didn't know that was a thing. I'm glad I, I spoke time, to you," right? You understand? Like I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know that those things could seed to your manubrial joint. Man. But when you see it happen and you see it happen regularly, you know, you got to start questioning, "Okay, why is this going on?" right? Like, 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 what's the treatment for this MRSA? Is it is it vancomycin exclusive, or is it justice, fairness, equity? I think we need to start looking at those bigger picture issues. Do, right? do you know
0: what's amazing, Mike? Is I think I, I said this on a previous show, but you think about med school and yeah. the training we got. We do not address we prevention not. at all. We don't. We didn't talk about social determinants of health I, at all. Let, let and me... like, the, and before you go on your rant, the thing that is you know is a pity about this is because. Is that dogs want at that age, especially? Yep. They want to do better. They right. want to make an impact. So if they, are, if I promise you this: more dogs that are aware of some of these these issues, yeah. especially early on in their career, yeah. they're going to act on that exactly, shit.
1: Exactly, exactly. And I think I think medical schools are, because I remember when I was in medical school, you got virtually nothing about indigenous healthcare. Zero. I, I like to tell about the first time I drove, I went to Sioux Lookout. You know, I was originally planning to work somewhere else. That fell through and they told me, yo, there's this place called Sioux Lookout. It's up in the bush past Thunder Bay somewhere. You know, you could work there. So I, I I decided to go there. And I remember I asked the cab driver who picked me up at the airport, hey, man, can you just like show show me around a little bit, you know, it's a new town, small town, you know, so they show you, you know what I mean? And they show you where the municipal office is and they show you where the high schools are. And I remember they had two hospitals, right? Like, so I'm like thinking, man, out's doing well. You got <laughs> two hospitals, so right? Like at that time, right? At that time there were two hospitals. There was a, like, there was a 7th Avenue site and there was a 5th Avenue site, right? So two campuses. I'm like, just like the Ottawa hospital, right? You got yeah, yeah. Civic and Riverside <laughs> and Jettering, you know what I mean? you do a good, Lookout, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? But it's, it, it's I remember the cab driver. I was saying, man, I, I asked them, man, how come there's two? This town has 5,000 people. Like, why are there two hospitals, right? In my naive brain right i'm trying to comprehend what i'm seeing right yeah. i always say in life that you know profound moments don't just happen when you when you when you get some answers it's when you start to ask the right questions amen do you understand oh, hallelujah <laughs> sweet
0: six pound baby jesus. Yeah, sweet no. six
1: pound baby jesus i know so let me let so you start asking those right questions so i remember the the cab driver had looked at me and said um yeah the reason why there's two hospitals here is that there was a town hospital and i so I said, okay, that's cool. So why do you have this other hospital here? And he's like, well, that was the hospital for indigenous patients. So I said, Ex- excuse me? Like, you know, did I hear right? It's like, yeah, yeah, that hospital was built back in the 50s and it was the, the Sioux Lookout. Back then it was called the Sioux Lookout Indian Hospital, right? So I'm thinking, I'm thinking like, okay, hold the phone <laughs> one second. Oh how come I didn't know about this? And and how come I didn't learn about this in med school that we had? Because whenever you think about segregation, what does our mind always go to? Yeah. Those darned Americans. Right? right. We think about like segregation from the civil rights context experience in the United States. Right. But we have a history of that in Canada.
0: Oh, big time.
1: We have. And, and you know, as I was learning and I, you learn about wonderful community leaders, like one of my personal heroes, heroes Josiah Fidler, who, who held hunger strikes in the 80s to protest the care indigenous patients were receiving. Mm. And you realize that. That happened in the 80s. That's not that long ago. That's not yeah. that long ago. So no. do you? Do we have an understanding? Like our med students taught that. Like are you taught that if you go and you go... There, were, there was not just in Sioux Lookout. There was in Moose Fact. There was all these hospitals just for indigenous patients. So we had, even from back then, a, a system that was designed to be inferior. Wow. And it triaged people based on race to inferior care. And this is not a system that ended 100 years ago. This is a system that persisted well into until very recently mm. now it's interesting if you go to sulaka now we have a beautiful new hospital right they tore down um the old fifth avenue site right the seventh avenue site the, the old quote-unquote indigenous hospital still standing but it's not used as a hospital anymore right we have a beautiful new hospital right the the mino health center which is a beautiful beautiful building right but but you see like look at that legacy do you understand like, look at that legacy that you had. Kind of differential care.
0: Oh, and the thing is, it, it lingers. And no one exactly. And it's like it's you know, you move on, but that those attitudes, mindsets,
1: that's embedded. That's embedded, and that's the thing. It's what what is in the DNA of the system. That's what we need to understand. What is in the DNA of the system? Mm. Remember, the healthcare system, as we structured, as it was structured, as it was conceived, was conceived to treat indigenous people inferiorly. Mm. It was structured but separate but unequal care uh, unequal care based on colonial principles, right mm. which are which are riddled with kind of these notions of, of racial in- inequity, right? I, and know. it's deep and and you know you got to get into somebody's DNA, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? When you get into that DNA, when you kind of get into colonization's DNA, and realize that we have to make sure—are we taking that look inside the mirror as physicians, as practitioners, as nurses, as allied health—and saying, you know, there could be a little bit of colonial tea in all of us, right? Yeah, we've all been steeped in a little bit of colonial tea, whether we like it or not.
0: I mean, you get you, you get exposed you, you, the attitudes of your preceptors, the attitudes exactly. of, of all those around you, like exactly. You know, sometimes you. By not being as aware of it, we don't really know about the. We're not cognizant of our, of our own biases and behaviors. Exactly. You know, like the ironic thing too is we're doing this on it's Black History Month. There and, you go. And and, yeah, exactly. and as I'm as we're talking, I'm like there should be. A, a, I don't know. Maybe there is. And I, forgive me if I'm ignorant, but Indigenous History Month, like yeah. about like especially in our country, right? You right. know, and just increasing the awareness of some of these atrocities and some right. of these embedded behaviors attitudes right like I'm still I'm still a bit baffled that this was 1980 and this was yeah. still present you know what I'm saying exactly exactly but I, I and, and you and you were mentioning too we weren't getting any inf- information on this in med school I don't even know what about undergrad sociology exactly. all this stuff within like Canadian
1: history Canadian like Canadian history is totally uh, devoid right you know what I mean like it, it oh so bad right and when you think about it as well right like when we kind of look at and we think of segregation. We automatically think of the United States, right? Yeah. We think about the United States and the experience that African Americans had, right? And 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 other groups like segregation, right? Mm-hmm. We don't realize that there were systems up here that mm-hmm. did the same thing. That persisted way after the US stopped its 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 organized segregation. Oh man. Just think about it like like you couldn't have segregated hospitals in the states in the 80s. Yeah. Do you understand? Yeah. So like, like Cooper, Could like, you like, couldn't. We we need Probably. to like we need to you know I think we need to understand that I think we need to kind of each take a look at ourselves in the mirror and say like where are our unconscious biases mm. right. Because we've all been steeped in a little bit of colonial tea, whether we like it or not, right? Mm-hmm. And and how we how we improve ourselves is to realize what those biases are, right? Mm-hmm. And then effectively address them, right? It's not to pretend that they don't exist. Do you understand? But it's like we
0: we don't. That's a. I mean, kind of the purpose of this show is like to increase awareness, to increase that conversation, right? Because like those biases, they can be so embedded in it and innate that you, you absolutely do not realize it going on. Right. And until you have that conversation, until you it's in front of you, Yeah. you know, nothing will change.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Man, it's, it's just, it's like I said, it's just really hard when you see preventable diseases with young people of your own nation and just get destroyed as a result. Bring it back to just, some like personal stories are there are there any times where you in the last few years uh where you, you you thought to yourself like you know enough is enough like when you think back at some of the patients that you had or
1: like to give up you mean like enough's enough or, or like I, just like,
0: like we we got to we got to do better or yeah
1: you know what i i think it started like you know when you start practicing you're like okay i gotta i gotta you know i have all this medical knowledge to attain and and i i gotta go to all these cmes i call it the nerdy stuff of medicine you know yeah, what i mean i gotta be continuing in medical i gotta education. I, continuing medical education i gotta be able to interpret blood gases that much better and you understand so you spend yeah. but then you read Realize that man, I'm seeing a lot of endocarditis. Yeah. And you're like saying to yourself, the big question is the why. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. why? Like are we are we spending enough time? And then we start looking and saying, well, there's overcrowding because there's inadequate housing. There's 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 no running water. Like there's some communities that have been boil water advisory twenty years. Would that be acceptable in any other context? Mm. And you ask yourself that question, like, like would it be okay if if there was a neighborhood in Ottawa where they, let's say they built new homes and they said, you know what, for the next year, y'all gonna be on boil water. Don't worry, we'll give you a little credit. You understand, like, but you'll but you'll have to be on boil water. Do you think people could, would do that for a year? Was you that- think they could do that for like? Imagine if you never if you never had like for twenty five years water that you could drink out of the tap. Yeah.
0: You know that would never fly. That would never fly. What's that doing to your soul, by the way? Pardon me? What's that doing to your you know soul? What? You know what?
1: Honestly, <laughs> I have met and I've had the privilege of meeting some amazing, amazing patients and clients. And I'm telling you, that resolve to overcome is contagious. Wow. Do you understand me? Like it's a resolve to overcome, right? Mm. And sometimes I've been with a position where I was like, listen, man, that is it. Like th- this is just too much. This is just too much. Do you yeah. understand? But that when you see and you see that hope and you see that that just resolve to overcome, that resolve to kind of not give up. That that's inspiring. And mm-hmm. not to lose hope, that is inspiring. My patients teach me that. They have hope. Wow. They and that hope is contagious. Because wow. you can be in a situation like we have very little access to mental health resources, right? Wow. Very, very little access to mental health resources, Right. The community that I provided care at, you know, Wapakee, we lost four 12 year olds to suicide in nine months and the place only has a population of like 500 people so just imagine that's like a that's like half on on imagine if like in in nine months one school year in one high school 10 kids committed suicide and like that that's what we're talking
0: about we're talking 12 year olds
1: 12 year olds
0: like usually 12 if you have imagine, one 12-year-old, in out, go. it goes on the news exactly, like crazy.
1: Exactly. And it made, it made, the, because it's like, and you know what? The community, and this was well-documented and well-publicized in the news, the community had had put forward community-based solutions six months before the first suicide, oh, because they said, God. listen, man, there might be a suicide pact. We want to be able to, to get counselors and get the support systems that we need. And they did it six months before, and they gave their proposal to the federal government and said, yo, we need some help, and we're going to. Come up with a community-based solution, right? Mm-hmm. Six months before, you know what they were told? What's that? It's an awkward time in the funding cycle, and then six months later, guess what happens? Oh you get one suicide, God. and then a coming week later, another one, and then and then a few months later, another one, and then a few months after that, another one. Four young girls. Oh my God! So think about that. The community six months before, they said, "Listen, man, something's going down." Do you understand? Mm-hmm. We need to work on a community. They did their end. Don't tell me if there was a school, if there was a high school in, in Ottawa and they said, yo, man, there's a suicide, there's something going on, there's doing that, we're concerned, they would get more resources. Mm. But imagine if you've articulated that as a community and you said, listen, we have a concern, do you understand? And we're going to put forward our proposal to get additional resources to develop community-based solutions so that we can deal with this at the community level. Imagine if you told us a bad time in the funding cycle. And And you know what, exactly. You can link this. There's articles written about this. And this is just from 2017, man. This is 2017. Listen, the federal government, when you think about this for one second, Quadro. think about this for one second. This is, this is a struggle for basic rights, my man, basic rights. Think about it. Look at in pregnancy. You know what the number one concern of women in pregnancy was that they don't deliver their baby by themselves. Oh, my God. Because think about it. Like, you're in a northern community. You have to come to Sioux Lookout or Winnipeg or Thunder Bay to deliver your child, right? The government wouldn't cover a partner, a support person to go down with you. So you would be expected to deliver that child by yourself. Wait, now, wait, let wait, me wait. ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Could you go right now in the hospital, on the maternity? I saw the labor and delivery floor. Could you go on the labor and delivery floor? Tell the partner, um, we're about to have a baby up in here, so you need to leave the room. While we could, de- They would be like, excuse me? Can you think of one other procedure other than a C-section that we allow the partner in the OR? We allow a non-medical, medical medical trained person in the OR while a surgical procedure is going on. Can you think of another thing to do other than a C-section? Why? Because even in the, uh, we recognize that you get tons of positive outcome by having partners support people sharing that experience. And think about that, that rule. And you can link this in the show notes. This has all been well documented. Just got changed in 2017. Hmm. ask yourself that question. Like that's basic, right? Like that's people sometimes ask, man, what is the, what is the healthcare system? That's the cherry on top. And it's like, sometimes man, my patients don't have the cherry on top. They don't even have the table that the cake is sitting on. Do you understand Mm. what I'm saying? Can't get in the room. Do you understand? And I'm just saying, look at that. Now, you know what? communities fought for for that and now they've changed the policy right so I, I i credit the government for changing that policy i think that's i think that's good But man like 2017 2018 we're talking about having a birth support person in the room with you we mastered that 50 years ago and like what, what's the
0: age? what would you say was the average age of the, some of these young moms
1: well it can, it can vary right? like imagine you being 18 years old exactly exactly, exactly. like because once you're an adult they'll cover for a kid right so if you were like 17 and pregnant but a Imagine if you're 18. No, you you don't get escorted. You're 18 years old. And where are you delivering? You know what, you know what would be really sad? You know what would be really, really sad? You, you, let's say if that baby, you're delivering that baby and that baby de- develops respiratory distress and you now have to go to Winnipeg Health Sciences Center with that baby. And that mom just had that baby by herself, now going off to the ICU by herself with no support person oh my god so no i that's that's the real that's is for real communicating spoke. with exactly like, who's that support exactly. Who, who's going to
0: help settle her fears exactly A completely foreign environment
1: exactly exactly
0: those anxieties often translate right. to you know poorer outcomes
1: oh Poor, my god there you go there you go right so that's what i'm saying it's like you know we need to get the humanity in this do you understand me like that's, that's what we need to remember in medicine is that we're dealing with human beings, right? And, and this is what colonization and inequity does, right? It takes out the human being out of the equation. Mm. Do you understand? They're not being seen, as, not being seen as a human being. Because yeah. if you look at it, when colonization wants to steal people's land and the land belonged to somebody else, what it just did is devalued them as people. Do you understand? It said, well, you're not just not a person or you're just not as good as me. So I can just take what you have and there you go. You better just like it, right? You're not an equal. You're not an equal. That's what it's telling you. Colonization every day is telling you, you are not equal. Well, this, I can take what belongs to you and you do not deserve, based on your race and based on your ethnicity, you do not deserve the same things that I have. And think about and this, your life does this might not matter.
0: Sa- this amounts might sound a bit extreme. Yeah. Imagine, like, would we accept that kind of behavior with our pets? Oh, very good. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like it's, I don't know, man. I know. It's debilitating. It's dejecting. Yeah. Hearing this shit.
1: I, and uh, I, I I, I mean. (laughs) But you know what? Like, like this is what I'm saying. That's where I I don't want to leave you feeling dejected and rejected. Right. Like, I don't want to leave you feeling that way. I want to leave you thinking that, you know what? In spite of that, I see hope. In spite of that, I see communities' resilience. I see communities banding together to to come up with programs, to come up with community-based solutions to surround youth with the help that they need, elders with the help that they need. So that's coming. So I don't want to leave you with this doom and gloom because, you know, I don't want to leave you with that, right? right? I do want to make sure you understand the real that if yeah. you think, and this was just, you know what? You can link this to the show notes. All this has been published. You can, it was on CBC, all those types of stations that covered all of this. So if people don't believe me or don't believe, that's fine. They can read about it there. And this is all recent, man. This is from, real news. you, you know what I mean? And stuff, this is from, this is from 2017, 2018. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah.
0: You, no, you, I I mean, I got so many things to say. Like one thing I, I, I do want to say is it is nice to hear the pushback that resilience because you know if there's one thing that I've learned from what you see from people that come out on top eventually is that at some point you just say we're going to put it in our own hands. Yeah. We're going to, you there know, you we're go. not going to wait for our assistance or if no one's coming to help out, we're going to do all, what we can do with there within our own community to make right. some shit happen. Exactly. You know and that's I a mean? power
1: of self-determination. Yeah. Right? Like and that.
0: that is something, you know, unfortunately they're in a position that that's what's necessary, but it's, it's good to hear yeah. that there's some positive coming out of that. Exactly. And I,
1: and I think as clinicians, we need to be real. We need to take a good, hard look, just like the nation has to take a good, hard look. Everybody has to take a good, hard look. Hard look in the mirror and say, where is my implicit bias? Not if I have implicit bias or if I have unconscious bias, where, but where is it? Where is it? Especially as clinicians, right? Because like you're making decisions every single day, right? Mm-hmm. And that can, that can, you know, change the trajectory of a patient that you see in a very profound way, mm-hmm. right? So we need to understand where our implicit biases are, where our unconscious biases are. We need to understand what colonial frameworks are, that colonization is embedded in our healthcare system, our our criminal justice system, the child welfare system, right? Mm-hmm. And these systems were structured to affect certain people certain ways, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, and I think there needs to be a knowledge and an acceptance and an understanding that those systems are at work, and that the, the knowledge and an acknowledgement and an understanding that those systems are at work, and also to rec- recognize within ourselves, well, how can I deal with the implicit bias that I have? Hmm. How can I be an effective ally? You know what I mean? And,
0: and the other thing too you mentioned before is, let's get back to the human side of medicine, <laughs> there man. You go. Like I, I honestly. Y'all maybe heard me preach this before. Like you spend so much time, as you you said, what does that black but blood gas mean? What is that? how do I diagnose X Y Z? Exactly. But you always gotta remember that's somebody's loved one. That is another. Exactly. That could be you in that spot. Exactly. You know, and just I don't know. It, we I do think as I'm getting older, this is the stuff you realize how much this matters. Right that how much that you know having that humanism in 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 medicine exactly. really at, at times is actually everything it's, exactly you know exactly what
1: I mean? it's being able to connect with people or other human beings and and re- like putting yourself in the position that if that was your grandparent like one of the things that we don't have is we don't have long term care beds in the community so even the big ones the large ones there's no long term care beds mm-hmm. so, so mo- suppose if you're an elder and you're 85 years old and I'm sending you 600 kilometers away mm. and there's no road that connects those two spots. You have to fly and flights are expensive. So imagine, imagine if that was, imagine if that was your grandma or your grandpa and we're in Ottawa right now. And imagine if I said, yo man, we're going to, I'm sorry, but they're going to go into London, Ontario, like which is about 500 and some odd change kilometers, but away. you can't drive there. Right. But you can't drive, but you know what? Like no one would say that that's acceptable. If you were to do that here right now, people would look at you and say that is unacceptable. Oh, There's my. no way, dude. We, we people will complain if it's across the city. Very good. But look at the standard in our region, where the standard is you go away, you go far away. Yeah. You go far away, and you have that full knowledge in your mind that the next time you may see your, your home is when you're is when you pass away. Wow. No, seriously, just just put yourself in that framework for a moment, right? Because this is all about real, real, right? Yeah. Like medicine. Number one has to be real. Right. Take the blood gases out of it. Take all the, you know what I mean? It has to be real. We are human beings connecting with other human beings. Right. So how would that make you feel? Put your grandmother and your grandfather in that situation, just like I've done. And I'm just saying, snap, that fucked
0: up. Yeah.
1: And just to think that we're not talking about an isolated incident where that only happens like one out of every 100 people. That's the standard. that's the norm. Yeah. And imagine if, man, if you're if you dialysis that, what does that mean? Like oh if you can't, God. like you are far, you're gonna be in Thunder Bay, you're gonna be in Sioux Lookout, you're gonna be hundreds of kilometers away from your home. Suppose if you need complex continuing care, you're gonna be hundreds of kilometers away from your home. Imagine how that affects your mental health. Imagine how that affects, man, I'm lonely. I haven't seen my family Imagine if you're 85 years old And you spent your whole life in a community And you're all of a sudden Six, seven hundred kilometers away from home Away from your family How are you going to feel? Just take take everything out of it Put your own grandparents in that position right now Because that is going on right now How would you feel?
0: And you can't tell me that's not going to affect how they, the outcome of the Very good. You know, when you got, you've lost that hope, you've lost that drive, you've lost that community. Exactly. Oh, get, oh, Mrs. Nelson, can you get out of bed to help, uh, to get your strength up? Hell no. No,
1: exactly. (laughs) And I'm not saying like people can make a choice. Maybe, maybe sometimes you might want to go there, but like, that's the rule. Do you understand where everybody, really, man? I wonder how many people right now in this hospital, if I were to do a survey, the amount of people in long-term care or waiting for long-term care, if a bed popped up in Sudbury would say, I'll take that bed. They know no one in Sudbury. Hmm. Or a bed popped up in London would say, yo, I'll take that bed in London. Or Windsor. <laughs> Y'all will take that. No yeah. one. Because they're going to say, well, it's basic. The basic premise of this. Is that you want your elders close to familiar spaces, close to their family? That's something that transcends culture, but that's what colonization does, right? And you see, it can operate covertly. It can operate overtly, but it can get dangerous too when it operates covertly because you can have these systems. I
0: think that's when it's most
1: dangerous. The
0: covert, the covert shit. Exactly. Yeah. When it goes under the radar. When it goes under the radar, and
1: you can have these systems operating that are oppressing people like that, and we don't know. And that's what I'm saying, like, you know, indifference is a motherfucker. Do you yeah, understand? Yeah. Like, you see, if you if you can have people suffering and you have everybody else indifferent to that suffering, that's a motherfucker. That, like, it doesn't matter how many tweets you send out. It doesn't matter. And that's what colonization wants to do. Colonization is a motherfucker. That's what it wants to do. Mm. And how do you fight that? How do you, you have to acknowledge what's going on, right? But you also have to say, well, how can I how can I deal with my own implicit biases? How can I address that by growing up in this country, you are going to hear certain things about indigenous people. They're not going to be in textbooks. They're not going to be, you're going to hear through popular culture and it can shape the way you think subconsciously. And then if it shapes the way you think subconsciously, then it, when you become a clinician, it can affect your decision-making process. Absolutely. And you don't even know it.
0: Like I said, which
1: is the most dangerous Very good. You know what I mean? Systemic racism, its child is unconscious bias, right? It wants to give birth to that. Because it means that you can get lots of indifference. And lots of indifference means you become immune to others' pain. Mm. So it doesn't matter how many times it's tweeted out or how many news articles. You switch the channel. You swipe right. Do you understand? Mm. And we have to make sure that we put these issues front and center. We do not treat people fairly we need equity justice and fairness they're dealing with tb in the arctic they're not are they recognizing the housing issues in the arctic let me tell you something if you don't correct if you don't correct housing you're gonna have tb and TB is going to outsmart you because TB, it lives on inequity oh man. and it can outsmart any infectious disease expert because it mutates and it doesn't. It. And people have been trying to figure this out for years. And then if, if you think you figure that out, then you get MRSA. And then if you think you can't figure that out, you get group A strep and then you start getting other things. Mm. So let me tell you, man, a little bit of inequity can, man, that can overcome a whole lot of ingenuity. Wow. Little and, bit of inequity can overcome a whole lot of ingenuity. A whole oh. lot of, you can, it can over, it can overcome PhDs and <laughs> you understand MD, just a little bit of a double equity. doctor, double doctoring, double doctoring. No, yes. and it's true.
0: You know, cause one of the platforms, the reason I do this is to increase awareness mm-hmm. and what, what have you, but that indifference piece, right. that, that element of being, you know, swiping the other way or looking, putting your head the other direction when, when these, these issues might come to the forefront that's a, that's a huge obstacle, right. that indifference.
1: Right, exactly. And that's what colonization, I think, ultimately wants. It wants. You remember, it, it, it's an effective oppressor, but it's also an extremely effective indoctrinator. Mm-hmm. So we can indoctrinate everybody else to be indifferent. So it's like you can go and you can go see a country overseas and you'll have more sympathy and more desire to do something than for something happening in your own backyard. Remember, everything that street. I'm talking about, the people's health card look the same as you or I. Mm-hmm. They're, I mean, essentially our neighbor. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm just saying, like, how are we, are, are we understanding colonization? Are we understanding, you know, anti-Indigenous racism, how that impacts health outcomes? Are we understanding that we can all be steeped in a little bit of colonial tea, whether we like it or not? That, that just by being matriculating through this country, you can gain certain opinions and certain viewpoints of how you view other people. And that, do we understand that that can shape the decisions that we make? Or are we going to say as doctors, no, no, we're all good. We're nice people. And and I don't mean any wrong. Do you understand? Because let me tell you, man, we've all been steeped in some of that tea and we all need to, we we need to acknowledge that it's there.
0: Can I ask you, do you know, do you, what do you think is actually happening, happening at like government level or at a, a societal level? Like, do, are we consciously ignoring a lot of this stuff or is it are we at a high level are we are the are people just being indifferent like
1: that's what i'm concerned about because like when i look at information now in the 21st century like we can get information now faster than we've ever been able to get information before right you can tweet something can be going down in toronto and as it's happening someone's tweeting about it that you can find out about it Mm -hmm. right so we can get information now way faster than you could get at any other time previously right so we know when stuff happens, and these issues of housing and f- and and, and uh, lack of access to healthy food and and water insecurity issues and 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 adequate funding for essential social services like these are all well established issues. So I would argue like is indifference rising? Mm-hmm. You know, a hundred years ago when 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 Dr. Bryce was talking about, you know, shutting down residential schools, because in some of the schools he reviewed this is a hundred years ago now. You can read about this in the history textbook. Actually, you can't because they don't talk <laughs> about this, right? So you won't read about it in your history textbook, and you probably won't be giving a lecture about this in med school, right? But when he brought up when he was told to review the health status of residential schools a hundred over a hundred years ago, he said, You need to shut these places down because they're 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 just breeding grounds for tuberculosis. And he was told, yo, man, you're fired, right? Wow. And that was a hundred years ago. So that was just like there was no Twitter back there, there was no Instagram back there. There was no TikTok. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. Back then. You couldn't get information as fast. So how do you, how do you justify the fact that now we have all this information? Now we have information that flows faster than it's ever flowed before in human history, but it's like we don't care. It's so is indifference, indifference rising, right? We change the channel, right? Yeah. I think, you know, I think we need to we need to do some serious soul searching and, you know, looking at ourselves in the mirror. Right. Mm-hmm. Every single person has to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think we it's like that exercise of understanding, like what is going on? Like Canada did have like an apartheid. I don't need to say apartheid like it was apartheid. Right. <laughs> you know, system that Straight persisted up. well into the 80s. Right of healthcare, and there were hospitals for certain people and other hospitals for everybody else. And I wonder how that would affect people's interface with the healthcare system, right? Like imagine when you see somebody here as an intensivist, right? If they went to one of those indigenous hospitals 40 years ago when they were still open, I wonder how that's going to affect your, how's that going to end when you interface with the healthcare system now? Mm -hmm. Wow, Mike. You know what I'm saying? Like,
0: (laughs) Yeah truth bombs all over this that's bad what i'm boy. saying
1: like like that's what i'm saying like we just we just need to keep it real right and like you know but that's what i'm saying like i've seen so much hope like i have met some amazing people like literally bring me to tears sometimes do you know what i mean with the stuff they describe but then it brings you to tears of joy or, or when you see that perseverance yeah like it literally, you see that perseverance, that willingness, just to keep on fighting. Do you understand? And coming up with ideas and supporting their communities in just powerful ways—that is powerful. Do you understand what I'm saying? No doubt. That is that is just that is just powerful, right? Like wow.
0: There was a maybe one issue that you, we touched on, but I wanted to just really hammer home. You know, the mental illness is a huge part of yeah. Like of our society in general, and it's increasing awareness. And, right. But it's clear that in the indigenous population, it's it's a problem. Right. And I feel like it's a growing problem. Right. Do you see Do you see anything improving? Despite some of these community efforts? I, or-
1: you know what? I, I do because, you know, now there's a big movement in the region of health transformation. And that's been exciting to be that involved mean? in Transform. health transformation, moving from a colonial system to an indigenous patient-centered, community-centered system. Yeah. So you're starting to uh, to see that process happen, right? Hmm. Of refocusing the health care on the individual and in the community, right? You know what I mean? And, and, and focused on community values. And I think it's amazing to see that and to see the ideas generated, right? When you look at communities now have, you know, Choose Life, and there has been some articles about this, and, and it basically allows communities to be able to, to get funding to be able to implement and develop community-based solutions. Right? Culturally safe, community-based solutions for looking at things like suicide in the community. And it's great to see the results. It's great to see the change in people. Do you understand? Yeah. Because communities know what are gonna work for communities, right? Yeah. So it's great to see that those those changes. So that's what I'm saying. Like, like the system needs to be fundamentally transformed. Like incremental change ain't working. It needs to be fundamentally transformed. Because if we just take the current system and just tweak it, you're tweaking DNA that's not good. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to get you're not going to get something good. You need to completely transform. You need to change the value system of the system.
0: It's one thing I'm more and more this theme has come up on the show. It's like change has got to come from the root. Mm-hmm. Like it's got to come from the people that are living right. it. It's got to people right. that community. Right. And I think we got to really think about that if we're going to be thinking about healthcare solutions
1: right. in general. Exactly. It's got to come from the, the horse. Right, right. Mm-hmm. It has to come from the, the people, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you got to have that change coming from people, and people need to be empowered. Mm. To be able to, to, to get that change, right? They need to be supported and able to get that change. And it's amazing to see that when you have programs like Choose Life, where communities are basically funded to initiate community-based solutions. These are homegrown solutions that are, that are amazing, mm-hmm. that are phenomenal, that are able to take down suicide rates better than any psychiatrist or Western You understand? Yeah. It's truly phenomenal to see. And, and like... We need to understand this as well, too, is just the impact of colonization, how it has had on that process of happening of self-determination, right? Because you were constantly told you ain't good enough. You don't have no value. Your life is no value. Imagine if you're a teenager right now and you you, you don't have access to adequate education, right? Your school is funded 30% less than a student in your same grade down south. Mm. You turn on the tap and there's no clean water that comes out. When you dial 911, there's no ambulance that shows up. Or if there's a fire, there's no fire department that shows up. Do you understand? Like, a how do you think that affects your mental health, right? What did we learn now from a CB? From what do we learn now is that the amount of indigenous people in federal penitentiaries is the only group that has gone up. So, so colonization means a consistently at your face is your life has no value. Imagine how that's going to affect your mental health. You don't have a school in your own community. You have to go out hundreds of kilometers to school at 13 years old. You should read a book by Tanya Talaga called, put this in the show notes, called Seven Fallen Feathers. It's a powerful book on how, you know, the education system, man, like we didn't, we didn't even, we, we, we don't have enough time to talk about that. But, you know, keep in mind that if you have two students, same grade, the provincial system is going to fund their students 30% more than the federal system. That's a well-established dis- difference, 20 to 30% more. So if that, so just imagine that for one second. And what are you doing? You're having differential fundings based on what? Race. Race. 2020. There you go. 2020, and that's it's happening 20, now.
0: It's 2020. That now. is
1: happening now. And there still is a gap. And I always say, how come in the year 2020 we all like to act like we're so woke? We are so woke. We have to clear our throat because we choke on the wokeness. <laughs> <laughs> but yet we live in a system that right now. Is telling to indigenous people that see your kid. We give him 20 to 30% less than we give that kid, even though they're saying great. Ain't right. Do you understand? Ain't right. Ain't right. So I think, you know, we need to recognize these and, you know, do some learning and, you know, start asking the right questions. I, I, I said that earlier, you know, it's not powerful moments and not only when we, get some great answers when we start asking the right questions, right? Like yeah. when I was in that car, I was saying, why is there, why is there two hospitals in this place? <laughs> I did not know. Excuse me? I had no idea. Yet. We didn't learn about this stuff in med school. Uh, I remember we got like one lecture. Do you understand? This is why
0: I-, I How much I'm did not you get in sure.
1: med- medical I, school I, about- if, in, I, like
0: in de- I don't want to say w- with absolute certainty because it's approaching 20 years ago but yeah i do not recall any. very good and i did go to class there you go <laughs> you well know, you see my the- attendance wasn't all that
1: you know my my attendance you know wasn't was, wasn't all that spectacular you know uh, but i don't want God. them to start you know questioning decisions i yeah, off yeah. on things you know what i mean yeah, oh, so boy. but i'm telling you like yeah like do yeah. we really do we really understand do we really get get that history we don't get it right yeah
0: and maybe that's I mean there's many things to work on but one of the things you know if I'm gonna ask myself what can we do to help is really some in my mind support those community-led initiatives where the people are saying this is what we need this is how best we could be served right and Provide support for that.
1: Right, exactly. And sometimes your support can be, you know, as a doctor, you got a lot of privilege. Like, we have a lot of privilege, right? Mm-hmm. And we do. And it's not to come in and say, well, you should do this and you. did We know that don't work. But what that support could be is to maybe provide... you your voice into like listen yo the community has a solution here why can't we social prescribing there you go why can't we Kate why Holliday can't we pres- why can't we look at this why can't we do that they have an idea right it's adding your voice and potentially the privilege that you have with that voice do you understand Lord. to be able to to be able to move a community's agenda forward yeah. and i think i think that's something we need to recognize we need to understand the history cuz I, I don't think that that's taught enough in medical schools i don't i'm not sure how nursing schools i'm not sure with allied health but i i, I have have concerns about that. I ha- I do have I do have concerns about that. Yeah. And we need to recognize our unconscious biases and our own implicit biases.
0: Well, Mike, I always try and end on a positive. There you, you know go. I mean? And so my question to you is Yeah. In your thirteen years yeah. in Sue Lookout, can you recall a time where you've really Left an oppression on a patient or you've had a moment where you've, you told yourself, this is where I'm supposed to be in this moment, helping this patient. Has any stories come to
1: mind? Well, you know what? I I do have one. And it was when around the time when the community had just lost four 12 year old girls, right? A few years back. That was an unbelievable tragedy right so imagine you're in a small community of a few hundred people and four you know beautiful young bright girls commit suicide in the span of nine or ten months right and i remember i spoke to an elder and that elder told me something i would never forget they said you know what we're gonna be we're down now but we're gonna be up again wow and i'm just like that level of hope as i was saying before is contagious like that, that is like, when you hear stuff like that, when it's like, there have been four kids that have just passed away because of suicide. And that's, everybody would describe that as an unbelievable tragedy, right? Imagine if Barhaven had lost four kids in that period of time, right? Do you understand? I and mean, this is a community of 400 people, right? So, 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 but, but to hear the elders say that we're down now we're going to be up again you know what one of the things people don't realize about that community is that there was a suicide crisis before and they came up with a wonderful system the survivors of suicide program and and community-based crisis teams that would that would go in and all that got birth from that previous tragedy right mm-hmm. so it was like it was like that elder just reminded that degree of hope and never lose hope right mm-hmm never ever ever lose hope and that's something that I, I i learned from that patient day and that that has been an extremely profound moment you know when it when it happened a few years back you know what i mean and and you know it will stay with me for the rest of my life on just that is an example of humanity right there wow. that's a, that example of, of to per- persevere because everybody like you're feeling like i am gone like i felt like giving up honestly yeah. if, I'm, if i just be real to everybody i'm like you know like like you feel like giving up but when, when you hear somebody say, you know what, we've been, we've down, but we're going to be up again. We will overcome. We will overcome that resolve to overcome. That is powerful. Wow. That is powerful. You know, when you meet somebody, and you just see that resolve to overcome. You were like, shit, that is some like powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. That's some like, that's some shit that you like take home that night and you mull over in your brain and just say, what the hell did I just hear? Mm-hmm. And it just sort of, it, it, it's powerful. So that, yeah, man, that, that, that sticks with oh. you. And you know what? I remember that because that, that is just like a fine example of humanity right there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And th- those are the memories I, I I will take. You know what I mean?
0: And I think that's a good place to end because I feel, honestly, that is such a powerful message in general. Mm-hmm. You know, that for us to put things in perspective and realize we can overcome, exactly. we can do better. Exactly. There is hope. There is hope. Yeah. Right? And uh, certainly I feel like after this conversation, yeah. I realized. There is some hope
1: because you think about it. What does colonization want you to do? It wants you to give up on hope, not to have hope, not, don't believe that anything is going to change, believe it's going to go on like this forever. But what, what that elder taught me is like, you know what, you can be in the face of tragedy and it can try to break your spirit, but, and it can try to do all those things, but it can't take your hope. That's something you have control over. Wow you understand? And she made that choice that day that even though in a situation that is adverse and is hard and is painful, I am choosing, I am making the choice to hope because hoping is a choice, not a feeling. It's a choice you make. And she's making that choice to say, you know what? We're, we were down, but we're going to be. And it's not, she didn't say she's might be, or she may be. She said she will be up again. They are going to be, the community will be up again. She knows it. There you go. I
0: love it. Mike, my man. Good. This is this has been amazing. I I cannot wait to release this bad boy because oh my god, you threw down some knowledge. You threw down some, Only some mo- just most truths. <laughs> you know what I mean. I don't know that about you, that. I don't no, know about no, that. But. Uh, we're gonna have to have you on again, and thank you for doing this. No, this, no, no, this no, no. anytime. I think, the,
1: as I said, I think the work that you are doing and your team is doing is absolutely phenomenal. I've learned so much from from listening to the podcast. I, you know, it's it's great to hear. You know, it's great to hear perspectives, and I just want to encourage all your listeners to just start asking those questions. Why? Why? Do you that's understand? A,
0: that's a, that's another good truth right there.
1: I'm gonna leave everybody with a, something else that an elder told me, right? And this this kind of blew my mind. If I could share this yeah, for one second absolutely. right is that this elder told me and i've shared this before that she goes curly how you measure progress and i say well you know if you were over here and you move over here and so you, she's like yeah it's kind of like like measuring distance right like you no. measure it in like inches or feet right mm-hmm. and i said yeah to use an example you kind of measure it in sort of inches and feet and she says you know what i don't measure progress like that i measure it in degrees i'm like degrees like what do you mean degrees and she says you know what the first thing you have to do when you decide to change is you have to point your eyes in a different direction. So Mm. even though you may physically be in the same spot, your eyes are now pointed in a different direction. That's the first thing you have to do when you're changing course is your perspective, right? I'm just like, when I heard that from her, I'm like, that made so much sense. Because sometimes we get frustrated because man, it's not happening fast enough and boom, boom, boom. But sometimes we have to recognize, but just by looking at a situation differently, Just by appreciating another perspective, just by asking the right questions, seeing things through a different lens or from an alternate perspective, man, you're well on your way to change. Even though you might physically be in the exact same spot. Wow, man. Truth bombs all over this bad boy. Listen, listen, (laughs) listen. (laughs) That's not... Listen, man, that's not me. That is not no, me. That is what? not me. That is an elder that told me that. You know what, though, dog? And that's how who many you people? learn from. Yeah, that's but how many people learn? will hear... The, some people will hear these truths from whoever
0: it might be, and it goes in one ear and out the other. T- but You you-,
1: learn, you listen to people. Your patients, the people that you work with, communities, that's your teachers. It's not yeah. the person who taught you how to interpret an ejection fraction. I'm yeah. not saying that's not valuable, right? But I'm just saying that, like, that's... What gets you through life? Like messages like that have helped me. When I learned from an elder that took a whole lot of wisdom and life experience and was passing that bit of wisdom, I'm like, that's, that's powerful. That's powerful because it means that, yo, man, if, if I can just look at the situation differently, if I can, if I can, that's the first step of change. If I can alter my perspective, even though my position hasn't changed, if my perspective does, then that's progress. Man, but you're doing a great job, man. Oh. You're doing a great job. You're doing, We chatted for too
0: long. No, this is great. Thank this you, is bro. great. Thanks, thanks again so much for doing this, bud. Thanks so much for listening, guys. I hope that was of value. I certainly, listening to it again, truly realize how much work we have to do. But still, I'm so inspired by the movement right now, the Black Lives Matter movement, increasing awareness, people reaching out. I think there's some real momentum here and I hope that we could really change the scope of racism throughout our country and beyond. Thanks so so much again. Our sponsors, the better together project. They're having an event July 9th. Use a promo code solving healthcare. Uh, The links will be in the show notes. I want to thank our team, social media team crew that produces the newsletter show notes crew. You guys are amazing. And it, it means a lot that you guys hustle so much. Really appreciate it. Everyone else, please continue to subscribe, leave a five star rating and a review that helps the visibility of the show. And, um, you know, all we're trying to do is change that boogie. So, guys, thanks so much and we'll connect again soon.